Today's podcast is brought to you by Pastor David Perkins of Every Home for Christ International. Sure, big hand, Pastor Jimmy. Pretty incredible. Thanks for sending your kids to desperation in the summertime and uh, sending some of your best, Stacy Woods and some of the crew up to DLA. And so I know that uh, God is doing great things in your church and I'm just honored to be with you, excited to be with you. And uh, I picked the sunniest day to be in Lubbock, right? Uh, but the good news is, is that in Colorado, everything is shut down because of the blizzard. And so you guys saved me from a blizzard. So thank you. Um, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Revelation chapter 5, I want to go there this morning and I want to talk about Jesus being worthy of our lives, Jesus being worthy of all, Jesus being worthy of everything. And that's where I want to go this morning. And so I'm going to read this statement about heaven and what it looks like around the heavenly scene. And we're going to apply it to our lives. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, the title of my message this morning is Worthy is the Lamb. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them, Singing, they're singing this at the top of their lungs, to whom it sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we ask that the kind of worship that exists in heaven would exist on earth now. We ask that we would have within us this exalting, glorious proclamation to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and glory and honor and power and wisdom and wealth forever and ever and ever God I pray Lord Jesus that men and women and young people that are in this room this morning that we would behold you in such a way that we would see you in such a way that you would elevate our worship and that our lives Lord Jesus would personify being worshipers. We honor you and we love you. And everybody said amen. amen. A few years ago, I was sitting on an airplane. I was about, we were about to take off and I was seated in the exit row and the 27, 28 year old male flight attendant came by. He looked at me. You got to imagine I'm about 35 when this happens. I've got my hat on and he looks at me and he goes, excuse me, sir, but you must be at least 15 years of age to sit in the exit row. Are you at least 15 years of age? I looked at him. I said, come on, man. Come on, I'm in my 30s. I got four kids. Yes, I'm almost 15 years of age. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. We got up in the air and after serving everybody some coffee and soda, he came and he sat down next to me. Never had anyone sit down next to me before. A flight attendant come and sit down next to me before. And uh, I think he just felt bad, maybe a little sympathy. We started to talk, and I began to ask him questions he asked me about my life, and I started to tell him about my vision and my dream to see young people across America consume with God. 
He said, oh, the God thing, I already tried that. I said, what do you mean you tried it? He said, I tried it, it didn't work. He said, what do you, I said, what do you mean you tried it and it didn't work? He said, well, I heard the TV preacher tell me to pray a prayer. I prayed the prayer, and the TV preacher said that my life would get, here was the word, better. And he said, but my life didn't get better. And so I'm done with it. Punt it on it. I'm done with the God thing. That's the way he said it, the God thing. So well, what do you mean you wanted your life to get better and it didn't? Be more specific with me, tell me. And he said, well... I wanted a girlfriend, and I still don't have a girlfriend. He said, I currently have a motorcycle. I wanted a car. Still don't have a car. He said, I wanted a house. I still live in an apartment. And he said, it didn't work. My life is not any better. And I said, so let me try to articulate this. I said, in your idea of why you came to follow Jesus, you had this idea that there would be material blessing, some relational blessing, some changes, and that you came to Jesus so that you could get the American dream. And he said, well, I wanted those things, and I wanted God to give me those things, and God did not give me those things. And I said, well, you and I have fundamentally different reasons as to why we follow Jesus. He said, what do you mean? And I said, I, and I remember this moment. He said, you mean to tell me you don't follow God so that you can get more stuff? And I said, I don't follow Jesus to get the good life. I've surrendered my life to Jesus because of who he is. And we've got this fundamental difference because this understanding of who Jesus is, is the motivation for me to follow him. Recently, Lifeway Research did a study about Christianity among 20-somethings in America, and I think it reflects not only 20-somethings, but multiple ages. It was an article in the USA Today. But it said that the primary way that, that young people think about God is, it's a big word, but this was the phrase that they used, moralistic therapeutic deism. Now, let me explain. Now, it's a $5 word. Moralistic, meaning God wants me to be good. Therapeutic, meaning God wants me to be happy. Like the word therapy... Wants me to feel good. God wants me to be good. God wants me to feel happy. And deism, meaning God kind of set everything up and he's distant. He just kind of let the world go. And the 20-something kind of have this idea. God wants me to be good. God wants me to be happy. And God's not very involved in my life. Which I believe is one of the fundamental problems as to why we have 20-somethings in mass walking away from the faith. 20-somethings leaving the faith, leaving the church. Because if you have a worldview an idea, a view of God, that God mostly wants me to be happy. He wants me to have the car. He wants me to have the girlfriend. He wants me to have the house. Mostly wants me to be happy. wants me to be good. He's not very involved in my life. It's a very different idea than what we see in terms of the way that Jesus called his disciples and what New Testament Christianity looked like. Because in New Testament Christianity, Jesus wanted first and foremost, he wanted relationship. It wasn't just about good and bad, it was about relationship. Moralistic, therapeutic, it wasn't just about being happy. Oh, there's happy days. There are some good days, but there are some hard days. Right? I mean, if you look at Peter, James, and John, and Philip, and Thomas, and Bartholomew, all these guys, you can imagine. Oh, yeah, there's going to be some good days, guys. Come, follow me. Yeah, Peter and John, yeah, there's going to be some days It's going to work out great. Mount of Transfiguration. Hey, you want to meet Moses and Elijah? Yeah, sounds awesome. Good day. Hey, Peter, you want to walk on water? What's up now? Yeah, good day. 
Hey, watch this. I'm going to feed 5,000. You get to be a part. You get to feed. You get to see the miracle. Woohoo! Good day. Hey, Peter, I'm going to call you Satan for just a minute. Get behind me. Ah, bad day. The one that you expected to come and to kind of take over and be the king. And, and he's suddenly crucified on a cross like a common criminal. Whew. Hard day. Oh, he rose from the dead. What's up now? Good day. Get to hang out with him. Yeah. Sending into heaven. Is this a good day or a bad day? Breathe the Holy Spirit. Good day. Send into heaven. Good day. Preach the gospel in Acts chapter 2. I'm Peter. What's up? This is awesome. Yeah, people, thousands getting saved in a day. Mm, good day. My mom could see me now. His disciples laughing at me when I fell in the water. Look at this. Preacher Peter. Yeah. Shadow healing people. Yeah, good day. Going to prison for my faith. Woo, hard day. Yeah. See, all through Acts, good days, bad days. Paul, yeah, good day. Jesus saved me, Acts chapter 9. Mm, yeah, fall off my donkey. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you? I am Jesus, one that you, that you persecute. All right, I'll follow you. Good day, but you're blind. Bad day. All right, go on in. Ananias is going to pray over you. Now you can see again. Fish scales fall out of your eyes. I can see. Good day. Go preach the gospel. People get saved. Mm, good day. Drug out of the city in Acts 15, out of Lystra. Beaten. Left as if stoned to death. Bad day. People get saved. Good day. I bet you're going to prison. Bad day. Oh, earthquake. What's up? I'm all set free. Yeah, good day. You see it? Over and over again. Good days, bad days, challenging days. And in our journey, as we follow Jesus, I love the good days. I love the days where it seems like the presence of God worships alive. God's moving. Family seems right. And, and my kids are cute. And all things work out. Things are good. But there are days to go, God, how on earth could this be my story? And he's going, trust me, walk with me. Is this about you or is this about me? Did you sign up for the good life or did you follow me? Did you follow me so that you could just get the car, the house, the girl, the American dream? Or did you want the Jesus dream? Did you follow me? And as we follow Jesus, our aim and our goal is he is so worthy. He is so awesome. He is so glorious that whether I have good days or bad days, whether I get the American dream and I end up with the big house and the car and the life and it feels good, or whether I end up as a missionary in a mud hut in Mexico proclaiming the gospel to three people, I'm not in this for myself and my own physical gain. I'm in this because of who you are. He is worthy. One of my favorite stories is a story that took place in 1727. It's 
the Moravian mission movement. It's inspired me for years. It's a story about a German nobleman who rescued some refugees who were being persecuted for their faith, and this nobleman decided to let them live on their land in order to protect them. And these refugees, these Moravian refugees, began a prayer meeting that went two hours, two hours, two people praying two hours, two men, two women, two men, two women, and they pray around the clock, and they pray day and night and night and day. They started their prayer effort just to pray for protection, but then you can only pray for yourself so long before in the place of prayer, God starts to download his heart for the world, and they started to pray for the nations of the earth that didn't know, the God, that didn't know Jesus, had never heard the gospel, and it wasn't too long then before they actually started sending out some of their, their young people all over the world to be missionaries all over the world. And there came a day where Zinzendorf, the German nobleman who was their leader, came and said, we have an opportunity to go to the West Indies. There's an island there that have never heard the gospel, and the landowners on the island, they are resistant to the gospel, but there's a way to get onto the island. The way to get on the island is to sell your life into slavery, and if you'll sell your life into slavery, then you can be on the island, you can leave the slaves to Jesus, you can start a church among the slaves, and we'll have an opportunity to take the gospel where it's never been. And two 20-year-olds, Leonard Dober and David Nitchman, who'd been praying in the place of prayer, one, a potter, the other, a carpenter, they said, we'll go. And after some months of training, they, they were set sail. And the amount of money that they received in selling their life into slavery in order to win slaves in this, in this remote island in the Caribbean, the amount that they received in selling their lives was only enough for a one-way boat fare. And they gave up their lives, and they said, we'll go. And they lifted their hands, and as they were pulling away, On the boat, they screamed back to family and friends what became the anthem of the Moravian missions movement. As they cried out back to their friends and family, this phrase, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Now, I want you to hear that. Listen to 20-year-olds in 1727. Listen to the motivation. Listen to the anthem. Listen to the roar. Listen to what's the motto. What's alive in the heart as they give their lives. May the lamb, may the worthy lamb, the one who is worthy of receiving blessing and honor and glory and power. May that lamb, may the lamb who gave his life, Jesus who gave all. May the lamb who was slain, who died on that cross voluntarily giving up his life. May the lamb who was slain. This is a preaching house, man. I mean, your voice just echoes. This makes me want to scream. I don't usually scream this much, but man, this is, I love screaming in this room. This is amazing. I feel like there's, I feel like Billy Graham today. It's like, Whoa! anyway, okay, sorry. I'm, I mean, I'm excited. I, Whoa! This is nice. All right. I'm going to scream that, may the lamb slain. All right, here we go. Scream. Sorry, it's echoes. It's awesome. It's like, ah. Just feel like this is real church. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. I was like mid-sentence. Anyway. But they made this phrase. May the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And in that, you've got it. May the lamb. You've got the motivation. The interior motivation. What's alive in the heart of these 20-year-olds? He's worthy. May the lamb who was slain receive his reward. What's his reward? A great multitude of which no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne. And they're saying as they give up their lives because of who he is. Not, hey, we're going to go and 
hope that we find adventure and hope we find some wealth and maybe the Jesus blessing and it'll all be good. Instead, the motivation is not me. The motivation is him. He is worthy. And so I gladly spend my life. And that motivation, I believe, is what God wants to inject into the heart. 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings and 50-somethings and 60-somethings and 70-somethings and 80-somethings today. It's he is worthy. May the lamb who was slain receive a great reward from my heart. May the lamb who was slain receive a great reward from this church. May the lamb who was slain receive a great reward from this generation. It's that motivation. And that's where I'm aiming at this morning. If we get that, if we get that understanding, that revelation of how awesome, how excellent, I mean, just a glimpse of who he is, just a glimpse, just a little bit more revelation, just a little bit more of who he is. It is our motivation to go through whatever difficulty, whatever challenge and go, God, I trust you. I don't know exactly why, I don't know why I didn't get the girlfriend. I don't know why I didn't get the house. I don't know why I didn't get those things. But I'm not in this for the house. I'm not in this for the girlfriend. I'm not in this for the car. I'm in this for you. And and the, the transition from my dream to Jesus' dream. Not in this for my dream. I'm not in this for the American dream. No, I've got this revelation of who he is in the Jesus' dream that I would give all. The Jesus dream that I would be so consumed with God that I give him everything. That's what's burning. That's what we want to get alive inside of our heart. This worship. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of my life. What's my motivation? It's God. Worship is our response to what we value most. It's an issue of value. Worship. And our lives, just like this heavenly scene where they worship. Our lives are trying to worship God for who he is now. And we see worship all the time. The question is not, are you a worshiper? It's what do you worship? Because everybody worships. Everybody responds to what they value most, right? Right? We see this all the time. See, just saw it a few weeks ago, Super Bowl Sunday. All of a sudden, man, everybody, I mean, I'm with, I had, I had, my son is 10. And so I had about 14 boys between ages 8 and 11 at my house watching the game, right? So it was me. We're all about the same size. And we were all watching the game together. And man, when, when the Seahawks, you know, when that wide receiver made that crazy catch, I mean, it was uh, like every, we all just erupted. And I mean, me and, and like, all these 10-year-olds are like, you know, yeah, going crazy. And it's insane. It's exciting. It's responding to something we value, right? Because everybody knows that Jesus valued the Seahawks and the devil valued the... Anyway, and so you could just tell one was God's team. But anyway, you win some, lose some. But anyway, and you've got this, right? And you've got a response. Average ticket price to get in is $9,000 to get into the Super Bowl. People are like, yeah, no big deal. I'll pay that. Some people go, 9000 that's easy. Some people go, 9000 that's insane. Just a response to what we value most, right? All this time, this fall, I'm in this crazy, God-forsaken, wrong, I mean, I know it's a sin, fantasy football where I'm fighting all my colleagues at New Life, and, I, and, and my wife, she just doesn't get my value system. I'm watching the game, and she's like, 
do you care who wins? I'm like, I'm not really watching the game. I'm watching that player. She's like, oh, is he on your fantasy football team? I'm like, no, the guy I'm playing, that's his guy. I got to watch this four-hour game. Value system in me, big, in her, crazy, right? We see it all. We're always responding to what we value most, right? We see it right after Thanksgiving. I see it like crazy Thanksgiving, this new holiday, not really a holiday called Black Friday, where, man, you talk about responding to what we value most. Some people are like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to stay up all night in the cold, in the dark, skip sleep for the sake of getting up. $40 off a drill at Walmart. Yeah! It's worth it! Other people are like, yes, I'm going to get that $80 discount off that flat screen. Yes, it's worth it. Other people look and they go, you're going to stay up all night? I'll tell you what I value. Nine hours of sleep. I'm sleeping in on Friday. Yeah, that's what I value. They look at the Looney Tunes that stay out all night and go, you're crazy. And the people that can't understand because it's so worth it to stay up all night, they look at the people that sleep all night on a Friday night, on Black Friday, and they go, what's wrong with you? Don't you want to get $20 off of collar at PetSmart? Don't you want to end up on YouTube with a fist fight in the middle of Target? Just value system. Just a response to what we value. Some people go, I do value the drill. I do value the TV. Some people say, I do value sleep. It's just who you are. Just what do you value? It's just different. Renan and I were walking out of a movie theater, and there was this long line to get into this movie, and I looked at this lady. She was waiting to go to like a midnight showing of a movie, and I said, what movie are you waiting to see? Because she'd been waiting for hours. I mean, the line was all the way around. It looked like these people had been there for hours and hours. And the pain and the sadness on her face when I didn't know what movie she was waiting in line to see. It was like, what's wrong with you? It was like, you don't know? Why? I'm just, I value the date night. I don't even know. I, mean, I, don't, I went without even knowing what movie. But that movie picked up. What is it? Value system. We all have values. It's just a response to what we value most. And so we are the ones that have beheld just a glimpse of his glory. We've got just this gratitude for what he's done in our lives. And so we're the ones that go, you alone are worthy of all honor, all blessing, all glory, all honor, all power. You're worthy of it all. And the people around you go, what's wrong with you? Really? You're going to go to the men's conference? Come on, dude. What about the game? We could go fish. We could go to Home Depot. You go, no, I'm going to get around other men. Iron sharpens iron. I care about that. And the world goes, I don't get it. You're going to go pray all the time at your church? Go to prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting? What's wrong with you? That's like staying up all night for a drill. Makes no sense to them. But to you, you go, oh, the prayer meeting. Man, every prayer matters and God's working and there's no place I'd rather be. And you're going, oh, you're going to pay $180 to send your teenager to Colorado? Well, they'll probably, they might understand that. But teenagers go, I want to go. You, you, you could go to the beach. I mean, you could go, you could go to a 
Texas Tech football game. I mean, you could do so much with that money other than go spend three days worshiping God in desperation. What's wrong with you? And you go, no, this summer, this is what's alive. You get the idea. It's this idea. Yeah, Sunday morning, I'm going to come and I'm going to worship with the saints. Yeah, I'm going to save my money and go to desperation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrificially give for the sake of the orphan, the poor, the widow. I'm, I, I want to give sacrificially so that every tongue, tribe, and nation will be around. Why? It's I value, and it's a response to what uh, we value. And what the rest of the world goes, ah, fanatic. And you go, worship. You go, it's who he is. can't even express it. That's what you go. You go, no, he's so good. He's so funny. Ever been around people like that? Sometimes when I, I love being around like these 70, 80 year old men and women that have walked with God all their lives and they've just got God on their tongue all the time. And you're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You know, like, talk to me about your life. And they're like, well, the Lord did this and God did this and God and the Lord and Jesus and that and God did this and God and God's faithful and, and God is loving. And you're like, and you can just hear it. It's just, he's worthy. He's worthy of my life. He's worthy of everything. So our aim is, okay, God, you are worthy of our worship. Second one I want to say this morning is this. Not only is he worthy of our worship, but he's worthy of our obedience. Sometimes it's easy for us to be a part of church culture, but not necessarily obey God in the middle of the week. We've got Sunday, and then we've got the constant God wooing us and calling us to be obedient in small things all throughout the week. And one of the things I see all the time is the temptation to just kind of put on a a church thing and check the box as if we're fulfilling what God's invited us to do in terms of being obedient when he's saying, I want, and I love church, I'm I'm a church guy, pastor, my dad was a pastor, and that's my whole life. But I think sometimes we know what to say, we know what to sing. We know what to do. The question is, are we obedient to the smallest minutia of what God's invited us to do? Not just the culture, not just church culture, but obedience. My dad loves to tell the story about when he had triplets. I'm a triplet, so uh, my parents were shocked. 1976, when they suddenly had triplets, David, Dana, and Deborah, my dad started to groan. In the hospital, they didn't know until after the second, my, I was first and my sister Dana, and they didn't even know that it was triplets until after Dana came out, and my mom was like, oh, I think there's more, and um, so they were, even the doctors, they were all surprised, didn't know it was triplets, and then they had my sister Deborah, we didn't need, they, because they needed three names, so their whole naming thing was messed up, so they didn't even name us until after three weeks after we were born, and um, so that's why I'm so insecure, I mean, I had to, I've never even had my own birthday, I didn't even have a name for a few weeks, anyway. And um, so my parents named us, though, David, Dana, and Deborah. My brother came five years later. His name's Dan. My mom's name is Debbie. My dad is Hal. And so <laughs> my dad tells the story about how he would come home, and he would look at his kids, and he would say, David, Dana, and Deborah, five-year-olds, I want you to go clean your room, and how he got three different responses from his kids. First one, Dana would look at him, and she so wanted to please. She would get all teary just in, in, in case dad was disappointed in her that her room wasn't clean. And she'd cry, say, yes, dad, and she'd go clean her room. And then Deborah, she's fiery. 
She's kind of a pistol. She's a strong personality. All of us are in full-time ministry. Last night, Deborah hashtagged herself. She was preaching in New Orleans last night. And she, this is what she said about herself. Picture of her preaching, and it said, Deborah the Thunder. I'm just saying, that's last night. As I was going to bed, I was like, oh, that's true, Deborah the Thunder. Anyway, that's her personality. She's fiery, blonde hair. Anyway, she's louder than me. Anyway, and so she would look at my dad, and she'd be like, she's ready to fight. She's, she'd make this face. And then she'd go clean her room. And then there was his son with whom he is well pleased. <laughs> and look at his son, David. Whom he loves. David, go clean your room. To which David would reply with a smile on his face. Sure, dad, I'd be happy to. And then never clean his room. (laughs) All through my childhood, my dad would tell the story about me smiling and saying I'd do it. And then never doing it. So that's a wound and a scar. I'm going to go to inner healing for that later. but, But I think that's what we often do. Where we often hear, it's easy, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, or whatever. Multiply, and we can sing the songs. We can go through the rhythms. The question is, the Lord's going, I want to see it every day. Not just here. I love it here. I love the church scene. But God's going, more than just your words, more than just kind of culture. In reality, am I worthy of your obedience prayer meetings during the week and the obedience to share the gospel with the person that go that you work with and your colleagues and you hear the prompting of the holy spirit and you go oh that's going to take a risk and he's saying obey obey not just in word but in deed that's what it says in james 1 22 i'm going to be obedient if i were to take that same illustration with my four kids Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice, all right? I were to come home, and I were to say, Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice, 10, 9, 7, and 4. Guys, go clean your room. And I came back four hours later. No clean rooms, right? Imagine my joy when it's time to have the conversation. And here's the responses. Dawson, I told you to clean your room. Your room's not clean. Dad, I know you told me to clean my room. Listen. I heard that command, and it so moved me that I wrote a song about it. (laughs) Clean your room, clean your room. Dawson, clean your room. Dad says, clean your room. Let's sing it again, Dad. Olivia! Dad, I know I didn't clean my room. She's nine. But listen, I memorized what you said. And... I actually have a picture of you on my wall that says, go therefore, Olivia, into your room and clean it. Dad. Adeline, why isn't your room clean? Daddy, I know I didn't clean my room, but listen, I have seven seven seven-year-olds in my room and we're having a discussion. We've got a small group on what a clean room really looks like. Justice, what's the deal? Dad, I made an app for my iPhone called Clean Your Room. It's to help train other four-year-olds how to clean their rooms. Imagine where my real delight is. My real delight 
is not all that. My delight is clean your room. And you know what? We have got so much cultural stuff. The temptation is to live with so much church culture and not obey what Jesus has called you to do. What is the thing apart from the sermons and the songs and the preaching vegetables and all the stuff we've got in church culture? What is the Lord calling you? How is he calling you to live and for us to go, you are worthy of my worship and you're worthy of my obedience. I'm motivated because of not what I get only, but because of who you are. The last one this morning is he is worthy of even our suffering. This was where this kid and I talking on the airplane had this disconnect. It's because I've got in my brain these disciples that left everything to follow Jesus. And they would say without a doubt that their life was full. But it wasn't full only in physical blessing, no. No, it was full because of walking with Jesus. But then when they faced trials and difficulty and beatings and imprisonment, all of the disciples even martyred, except for John. You can imagine if they were to talk about their journey, they would say, this following Jesus, man, it was awesome. But it was hard. There were some days that it was challenging. And when, when we read in the New Testament, when we read Paul and Peter, the way they talk about following Jesus, it's not just like, yeah, come to Jesus and you suddenly get physical blessing and everything goes well for you. No, you've got good days and you've got hard days. That was their story. That will be our story. I'm going to read a couple of verses. Look at the way Peter talks about it. Verse 12 of 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. That's interesting. Take joy, rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. We always do this. We're surprised when something hard, terrible has happened. We go, what? But God, I thought you loved me. But God, I thought that everything was going to work out. And what happens in us is when we face that trial, when we face that pain, if we don't have a worthy as the lamb and God is big and I am small, if instead it's I am big and God is small, then when we face trials and difficulty, we'll say, how dare you, God? How dare you? How, how, how on earth could you allow, fill in the blank, this tragedy? When that crisis comes, if we've come to Jesus mostly for what we can get instead of because of who he is, then when we face crisis, we'll have anger and accusation towards God. But when we have, he is worthy of all, and I don't know exactly where this thing's going to go, but I'm going to walk with you, and I trust you because you're worth it. Then you go through trials, and like Peter here, you consider it joy. You go, all right, I'm going to rejoice in the midst of this. There's something that God is doing, and instead of anger towards God, you have affection towards God. In this season, I'm going to draw close. God, I don't know. I don't know why I'm going through this dark season. I don't know why things are hard. 
I don't know. And you, you, you fill in the blank. The financial challenge. The relational challenge. But God, I trust you. And I'm not in this to get the good life. I'm in this because you are the worthy lamb. You're worthy of all. Philippians 1.29, Paul says it this way. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. You can imagine Paul in a Roman prison cell as he's sitting there. And he says, part of my joy is not just the good days. It is the hard days. And Jesus gave all and Jesus went to a cross and suffered for me. And Paul's saying, and a part of my joy, part of your joy is to voluntarily say, and God, I give my life back to you. And God, you are worth it. And there's days, everything's working out well financially, and everything's working out well with family, and everything's working out well. And there are days that you go, I do not understand. And I'm going through this trial I don't know why this is going on with my brother-in-law. I don't know why this is going on with my son. I don't know, but God, I'm not going to run in this moment. I'm going to draw close, and I'm going to trust, and I'm going to believe. And you are worthy even in the darkest valley, even when I cannot understand. Friends, we go through that. That's our moment to just say, God, I trust you. We always want to know the plan. We always want to know, okay, how is it all going to work out? God's going, no, I want you to trust in a person. I'm going, no, I want to trust in a plan. Because no, I want you to trust in me. If I know the plan, God, then I'll be okay. He goes, no, 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 this isn't about the plan. This is about the man, Jesus. Trust in me. Trust in me. My boy, Justice, when he was two, he'd always walk up to me and he'd always say, Dad, and he couldn't say swimming. He would look at me and he'd say, Dad, swimming? And here's what that meant, dad, take me swimming. So here's what I do. I'd pull out my keys and I'd say, justice, here's a map on how to get to the pool. Take my keys, drive the suburban, go, go right, left, right, left, out of the neighborhood. Here, change your swimsuit once you get to Lifetime Fitness. Here's dad's card and go, have a good time, son. To a two-year-old. No. If I did that, justice would look at me like this, huh? You know what Justice wants? He wants, no, Dad, you know the way. You're the one. You put me in the car seat. You're the one that knows the directions, left, right, left, right, how to get to the pool. I don't have a clue. I'm two. I'm not wanting a map. I'm wanting Dad to take me there. You know what? We always want the plan. We go, God, I'll trust you if I know the plan. He's going, trust me. Trust my character. I'm worthy of your life. You can trust me. But I don't understand why I'm going through this dark valley. I don't understand why I'm going through this dark night of the soul. I don't understand why this financial difficulty. I don't understand what's going on with my kid. I don't understand God. He's going, trust me. Walk with me. Stay close. He's worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your obedience. And even when you go through what seems like your darkest night, he's worthy even of suffering. I did not get in this for the good life, God. I got this into this because of 
who you are. And each one of us are motivated by that man, Jesus Christ, not by outward circumstance. Outward circumstance will be inconsistent. Jesus is always worthy. Your friends and family will go through a different journey than you. You have your journey and your challenges. God, I trust you and you are worthy no matter the outcome. No, but I want the good life. Oh, God goes, wait a minute there. Are you in this for me or in this for you? I trust you, God. I trust you. I will seek first the kingdom. I will seek first you. And then, God, your blessings, I'll count as blessings. But I trust you, and I will seek you no matter what. Leonard Dober and David Nitchman had very different outcomes. When they arrived on this little island, one of them started a church that led many to Christ, had this great ministry. Today, you can go to this island in the Caribbean, and there's still a Moravian church that he started, won hundreds of slaves to Jesus. The other one, same heart, same sacrifice, same motivation. He got disease and died only months after arriving. Both of them lived their lives for the worthy lamb. Both of them, when they stand before the God of the ages, he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. You do not know, you cannot take hold of your circumstance. Your challenge is, God, I trust you in the good days and on the bad days. You are worthy of all. And if I get the girl, if I get the house, and if I get the car, and if I get all that, well, it means rubbish to me. You're what matters to me. And if I end up in the mud hut, broke, proclaiming the gospel to a few people in another land, land, well, it wasn't about those things anyway. It was about you. And all of us unite around that idea. The reason we're, why we're in this is because he is worthy. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.